This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. You've heard of Facebook, right? Huge site, over a billion people visit it every day. But what's it actually like working there? I talked with product designer George Kettenberg to find out. The other thing that I think is most interesting about Facebook is just all the different people that are here and um, that work at Facebook too. And there's just so many smart, talented people, people that, you know, you see things on the internet and then you realize that you work with the person that made it. Um, that's just always just mind blowing to me is that, you know, every person you meet has this very rich story of really cool stuff that they've done. And now they're here working at Facebook and you just sit a couple of desks away from them and um, super exciting. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, Mapbox is looking for a new head of design. We also have job listings from indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for our weekly job alerts so when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. And if you're looking for more jobs, then become a member of our Slack community and join the jobs channel. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp and Hover. Join more than 14 million people who use MailChimp to not only send email newsletters, but to grow their businesses on their own terms. Start sending professional-looking newsletters to your clients today for absolutely free. Sign up at MailChimp.com. Every great idea deserves a great domain name, and that's where Hover comes in. Choose your domain name from the hundreds of extensions out there and start building that new project you've been waiting on today. Right now, you can get a .me domain for only $9.99 a year. That's pretty cheap. Use our promo code REVISIONPATH and save an additional 10% off your purchase. Speaking of savings, we've got free shipping for everything in our store this week. Of course, our store is at revisionpath.com forward slash store. That free shipping is going to go on from January 27th to February 1st. So go there, pick out what you'd like from our t-shirts, our hoodies, our mugs, our tote bags, and use the promo code SHIP17 at checkout. That's S-H-I-P-1-7. I'll put a link to all of this in the show notes, so check that out. Here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update. So we're still holding steady at 41 patrons for a new total of $278 per month. Again, a huge thanks to everybody that has pledged your support and your appreciation for the show. If you enjoy what we're doing here at Revision Path, if you enjoy the guests that we have on the show, or if you've gotten any value from listening, please consider becoming a patron. You'll get some really great perks like early access to future episodes and free Revision Path goodies. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path and make that happen. Pledge level started just $1 per month, and it's a great and affordable way to support the show on a regular basis. Now for this week's interview. It's our 175th episode. Can you believe it? I'm talking with designer, creative director, and adventurer Chad Brown. 
Let's start the show. All right. So tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Chad Brown, and I'm in the president and founder of Soul River Runs Deep and Soul River Inc. And I'm also a creative director and designer that I do for both uh, companies as well and advocate for the outdoors, getting inner city kids and uh, U.S. vets together on expedition with my nonprofit. I, I certainly want to talk about uh, the outdoor work, but first I want to focus on your design work and kind of your, your career leading up to where you are now. So you've got your own, I guess, what you call it, an agency, a studio. How would you sort of characterize your business? Yeah, I um, definitely have my own studio, and which is uh, basically I run my studio under a title of Chattel Creative, just personally. That way it separates me from uh, the uh, my two companies, basically. But in that uh, space, I do a lot of consulting work for various companies uh, on an international level, developing branding, identity development, uh, campaigns, photography, you know, for various companies. And that's kind of like something like of an ongoing that goes all the way back to the days when I was in New York and LA working in the agencies. And so I just kind of kept like a, a really interesting eclectic clientele that it still follows me. And every once in a while I get a knock on the door and says, Hey, Chad, you know, we need your help. <laughs> and so that's when I go to work and start consulting. What made you decide to kind of strike out on your own after working for other agencies? You know, a while back, I think what what was the pivot point for me was when I was in New York, I, you know, I'm done with grad school and I'm working in the city and, you know, right there at the time when the towers was hit and they failed the Twin Towers, that was kind of like a pivot for me. I was uh, basically you know, had the opportunity to step out and try to survive. And well, not really an opportunity at that time, but it was more of a survival (laughs) type of situation of trying to figure out what I'm going to do. But that situation did turn into an opportunity when things settled down and and doors opened up to where I I had the opportunity to walk in and present myself as a consultant, a designer to pitch with uh, a couple of the companies with uh, Russell Simmons uh, Fat Farm. And through those connections that led me, I ended up with an account. Basically, it started working on these accounts. And then through those, uh, that situation opened up to other avenues of me having an opportunity to pitch to for other companies. And that work from uh, working and developing concepts and photography, et cetera, for Fatform led me to overseas doing uh, some international work in Hong Kong. And that was also what they a garment manufacturing company that was uh, the pinnacle of the fashion industry, basically, which a lot of people don't know and they're not aware of, but they are the top biggest company in the world that handles all your uh, fashion houses, basically, throughout the United States. You know, everything that we could wear from Gap to Abercrombie Fitch, etc. We came out of that one house. And so this company hired me basically to rebrand and re-strategize their whole way of doing business. And from a creative standpoint, from a strategic standpoint. And so that really was the kind of like the, the big piece that launched me into sustaining myself as a independent creative consultant. And it just moved forward from there. Was it difficult making that transition from, I guess, working in that agency world to being more of a consultant? 
it was very difficult. You know, when you go to school, even grad school, it doesn't matter which school you go to, especially when you're dealing with or focusing on design or, you know, any of the creative uh, disciplines, photography, industrial design, et cetera. What they don't teach is the business side, you know, and that was the most biggest uh, hurdle that. I had to try to jump over was that business side. And, you know, you go to school to learn, you know, how to design, you, you learn the theory of it, et cetera. And that was something that I was able to really grab onto and run with. But when I stepped out as a consultant and start dealing with major big companies that I had no idea that out, this is the world I was going to step into, you know, that was a whole different ball game, you know, and where you start to realize that design is really important and they are coming to you for that. But before you can get the opportunity to start creating, there's, Pretty much 95% of the work is business. And you really have to not just understand the contracts, but the things that I was even facing was, you know, negotiations, you know, and then on an international basis, walking into a room of a different culture and negotiating with that culture and understanding not just the culture, but, you know, everything from hand signals to the shrub of the shoulders to the things you may say could be something that go against you, et cetera. So I was stepping into a sea of a really, really deep sea of ocean and I was sinking. I sinked a lot, you know, and I had to try to figure out how to find a way to sustain and float in that world, you know, and there was some that, uh, you know, I lost and some that I won, you know, but stepping from grad school into a professional world and you're working under certain amount of folks within an agency world. And then all of a sudden you had the opportunity to step into the real world of international business and dealing with many different dynamics and levels of signing contracts, et cetera, was a complete you know, hard thing for me to jump. And even today, sometimes it's a little hard because it's it's a business. The business of design is a whole different ball game, And it's something that I did not learn and something they don't teach in school, uh, especially on that level. And I had to learn the hard way, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> and now for school, you went to you went to AIU, which was actually here in Atlanta. And then for, yeah, grad, for sure. graduate school, you went to Pratt. Did you feel like those schools kind of prepared you in your early career? The Art Institute of in Atlanta, it's um, that did prepare me for a little bit. It was okay. It's undergrad. Well, I was able to just start freelancing at that time when I was in Atlanta. And actually, I started my first freelance gig was actually the opportunity. I forgot the name of that hospital, but it was through the Edwin Moses uh, Foundation. And they were looking for a young designer at that time to help develop the campaign, basically. And so that was a really big opportunity for me to really do, because that put me in a place where I was able to make enough money and go back and take care of my tuition <laughs> and everything of my debt. And, and then after that, I ended up going to Pratt up in New York and uh, Pratt really, it really um, helped me out a lot. I think what it did for me when I was able to go to grad school, it gave me the, uh, the skill set to grow more as a mature designer to be able to dissect and look at things 
like from a theory standpoint and not be just so quick to jump in and do Photoshop. It gave me the opportunity to be more of a critical thinker, even with my approach to design of sketching first and sketching out the concepts and 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 making sure things are more, more functional or they, do they support with meaning, et cetera, before you decide to move forward with that. You know, it really challenged my thoughts, you know, and it prepared me from that angle as a uh, young designer at that time. But I think. One thing that I did have within myself, and I think that has a lot to do with me from military, is that I cared for the skill set that I was very aggressive. I had the mindset to see things through. I had the discipline to adapt and improvise to any situation and, and, and move forward where some people will go to bed and I had a discipline to where I would stay up, you know, and I would continue to go three, four or five days People who know me from the past, they knew I was kind of like a, a like a, a moving robot, and I would not stop until I end up at the end point of what I set out to do. And I think that's really what got me through school, and also in my younger years when I was in New York, I was a pretty I consider a pretty fierce type of person that was real aggressive. I started hitting the streets in the city with my portfolio before I even graduated. I started developing consulting and and clients before I even graduated. You know, I was working out of the dorms and and pretending like I had a run studio right in my dorm, but a lot of people didn't know, but I presented myself like I had a studio, you know. So I was always like five or six steps ahead of my own self and doing a lot of things. And so I think Pratt gave me the opportunity to to step out and 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 from a business, I mean, not, not from from a designer standpoint, and to you know theorize, put that into development and critical thinking. But it was more like my uh, aggressive approach. I mean, that really stayed with me through that whole process, you know. But yeah, to you, what does it mean to be a designer in this current age? To be a designer in this current age, I would say it to be a multidisciplinary designer. But for me, I think it's also being a designer this current age, which a lot of creatives are is also seeking, is what that purpose is and that meaning is. And I think it's about purpose and I think it's about developing the meaning and also establishing where you are. And, and also that has a lot to do with identifying with who you are to hone in and maturing your voice as a designer, as a creative person. I think there's a lot of noise around us. And and a lot of us get caught up into that noise and a lot, especially the us being young, you know, younger designers that are coming out immediately, just like yesterday, your voice is so important and you want to be heard and seen. I think today designers needs to the meaning of this is needs to learn how to do a lot of self-assessment before you decide to move forward down the path of many other designers. There's a lot of different paths around us that we tend to blind ourselves with and not realizing that if we could just take a step back, we can be able to look at other paths where your voice could be much more stronger and activated. And I think it's it's pretty critical for us to, you know, especially, you know, being of color, 
it's it's important for us to be able to look at those things and pay attention to what's around us. You know, that path that we take may be a great path, but there may be some other paths there that you can be able to take to see where your skill set can be applied to and where you could be able to rise above and have your own voice as well. You know, and to do that, we have to be flexible. We have to be also multidisciplinary and be open to what comes in front of us and to be ready to execute. So with, with everything that you're doing, I mean, kind of walk me through what a typical day is like. If that exists for you, I'm wondering, what is a regular day like for you? That's really hard for me to capture on my regular days because I, I walk within two different worlds. You know, my day does start out me answering my emails and I move forward into a creative process of working on some projects that I'm working on with clients and I'm designing and concepting. And then I switch gears and then I I handle a lot of logistics and planning logistics for some of my uh, expedition deployments with my nonprofit. And that takes a good chunk of my day. And then I'm also running and operating a design, not just a design studio on the back, but also a storefront, you know, and I'm running a storefront that carries a lot of designs that I have developed. And so sometimes I'm kind of wearing too many hats and I'm greeting with customers that's coming in specifically to shop. At the same time, I switch another hat and I'm putting a creative hat on and I'm creating. And sometimes I'm juggling and putting on my nonprofit hat and I'm advocating and charting out new logistics of uh, expeditions throughout the nation. <laughs> Talk to me about those expeditions. When I first hit you up, I think you told me you were you were hiking somewhere in the like the Arctic Circle or something like that. Tell me about these. I'm really, I'm really interested in knowing about that. What about these expeditions? Yeah. So I do seven expeditions per season and these expeditions are underneath my uh, nonprofit umbrella, which is Soul River Inc. And the mission of Soul River Inc. is getting inner city kids and merging these inner city kids from the inner city with U.S. veterans that have served and connecting them and bringing them into the outdoors is giving the opportunity of creating this bridge between the city into the outdoors, especially from an inner city kid perspective and connecting them to nature and also helping them develop their leadership. I use combat vets as a way of mentoring these kids. And so when you got these two demographics together in the outdoors, what happens is that that veteran basically takes this step up as a mentor or a big brother, big sister for these kids. And these kids has an opportunity to receive phenomenal amount of experience and development and leadership uh, that will help guide them. And basically, and in exchange, that veteran gets really a simple, a purpose to push forward in life. And so I create these uh, expedition trips and bringing these demographics out and I use also fly fishing as a way of kind of weaving in these two demographics as a not just as a sport, but a teaching aid that helps with that development of a big brother, big sister relationship. And we do these expedition trips. And uh, my last expedition was to the Arctic Circle. I 
took uh, it was a 14 inner city kids and U.S. vets on a 90 plus mile expedition inside the Arctic Circle. And it was phenomenal and it was very successful. These kids have never traveled in their life. And so these expeditions give these the inner city kids an opportunity for travel, opportunity for growth, opportunity for leadership, opportunity for exploration. And not just it's not just a trip of learning, but also this is a trip for these youth to actually be able to create their own voice because they are tasked with uh, scientific journal writing. And with these scientific journal writing, they go in as a young scientist into the Arctic Circle and have the opportunity to see climate change up close and personal. And they learn how to develop their life, their writing skills, their voice and their communication. And they take these journals and have the opportunity to take a stand as a young teacher to teach other younger inner city kids as well of what they learn. But also this learning has it does follow and gravitate towards the parents because the parents, they become much more supportive in the wow factor that they did not know, et cetera. And they're educated and it becomes more of a community deal. And the veterans is kind of like they kind of uh, a mentor behind everything that's guiding this whole piece, you know? So my expeditions are pretty much over the top with the real deal of like what you see in the movies from everything for packing gear, hauling, it could be pretty brutal at point, but it's supposed to be brutal. And that's it brings these kids to a point where they grow and they have to make decisions and they have to follow direction. And also they learn how to give direction. And these are phenomenal opportunities that inner city kids today and even kids from the past, et cetera, including myself, does not get the opportunity to see the top of the world, does not get the opportunity to get out into the outdoors on this level of magnitude that we take them, you know, and so it's a grand opportunity. And so that's something that I tend to advocate for is bringing these kids into the outdoors, connect them to nature, using vets as a mentor and guide. And I advocate strong for climate change, advocate strong for conservation, our environment and keeping our environment clean and healthy. And, and that's what the kids, they end up learning how to become ambassadors of nature in the outdoors. And that's what they learned up in the Arctic Circle. Wow. That's a, <laughs> that's a really <laughs> impressive program. How did you, you get the idea to start that? I know when you said before you were in the Navy, is that right? Yes. Yeah. And, and, I was you in, got, and you got to travel a lot there. I mean, I, I think I remember from your bio, you went to, to Cuba, to Iceland, to Kenya. You know, you went to all of these these really great exotic locations. What kind of inspired you to want to, I guess, pay it forward and do it in the form of a nonprofit? It goes back to as a designer, we go down this path and this is what we want to do. And we chart it out. And a lot of us do this is where we we draw this line from point A to point Z, and it's a straight line. And that straight line saying, basically, this is what I'm going to do, and this is where I want to end, and this is how much money I want to make, and this is the fame, et cetera, et cetera. And that's all fine and done with, but sometimes, in some of us, or the majority of population, that line becomes crooked. And the crookedness within that line is life challenges and you where you have to overcome and adapt. And so that end path of that Z point may not be a straight shot, but it may be a an interesting way to get to point A to point Z if 
you know, everything else in between kind of takes you in different directions. You can still get there. You're just going to be challenged in different directions. So to pull back out of that metaphor of, of explaining what I'm sharing is with my path was a path like from A to Z. When I uh, served in the Navy, you know, I had a grand opportunity to see the world. The longest I stayed in the United States was no more than three months. I've been in 14 different countries and also I've been in two different wars. And I seen a lot of things happening. I had an opportunity for grand travel, been in places where a lot of people have never been. Uh, and it also kind of ironically, it took me all the way to the bottom world down to Antarctica. And so, you know, and so I spent time down there as well. Now, coming out of that whole situation in moving forward into schooling and everything like that, just like, you know, the majority of population, the things you deal with, life challenges between that A point and that Z point, my path started getting crooked. It's all case by case study. It depends on the individual and what you want to pursue, basically, because sometimes when your path gets crooked, it does take you down the left or down the right, and you never get back to point the end point of Z of what you want to do, you know, and I was really, really determined to get to my end point of Z as being still as a creative and doing what I love, but my path took me down some really interesting angles, and one of those biggest paths that took me down, that took me way off key, I said to myself, this is, I want to be a creative, I want to design, and and I don't know what that is, I want how that's going to be, but this is something I want to do, you know, the first path, well, I mean, say not the first path, but the one of the biggest paths was uh, I got hit with PTSD and um, didn't deal with it really, didn't have the opportunity to deal with that stuff when I got out of the military because I immediately jumped into a fast lane from Atlanta, Georgia to New York, working, schooling and, and, and also the professional world. That lifestyle kept me very uh, in the fast forward lane. So it didn't give me time to really think about what I went through in my past. And as soon as I... Um, came out of New York and a couple things happened where I ended up going to Japan and uh, backpacking Japan for a good two months. And and I made a conscious choice to try to figure out uh, what was going on with my life because there were some things that was happening in my life. And I just kind of hung out and backpacked the whole country and did some writing skills, came back to New York. After New York, you know, I ended up taking this job as a uh, senior designer in Portland, Oregon. And when I got to Portland, Oregon, that was when I was really starting to feel some heavy, heavy stuff happening mentally with me. It was uh, very easy for me to walk into an agency and get a job as an art director, senior designer. It was not a struggle with me, but my struggle was trying to keep a job. And I didn't know what was going on, but I was losing my work and I was losing my job and I couldn't think and, you know, voices coming in. And so all of a sudden it was kind of a strange thing, but I, I lost everything, everything that I worked for and everything I could not hold out. I was mentally handicapped and I was dealing with uh, some heavy PTSD stuff from the war and all kind of other issues started coming in front of me. And I and immediately over a course of weeks and months, Every single thing just pretty much vanished, even down to even a place of having a place to stay. I was homeless and I um, right here in Portland and I, you know, end up finding myself at the VA hospital just pretty much, you know, having to put 
everything on hold in my life and say, this is what I need to deal with. And this is what I'm going to go forward with and at the hospital. And this is where I'm at. I had to accept it. And I just uh, and I accepted it. And I started off all over again right here in Portland, Oregon. And that was basically starting off with classes and taking medication left and right. So as I was uh, taking the medication and and group therapy, that's kind of like really where my life was at. And I was, you know, every once a week taking a number, pulling a number, you know, it definitely was pulling number 50 to 200. And that was the number that I had to take a seat and sit down with every other veteran soldier, combat vet that's disabled and to wait to get the medications. That was my life. And then part of that was leaving and drawing blood, giving blood for $20 as much as I can to stretch my $20 to put gas in my truck and to try to maintain until Friday. I had a system down. Tuesday, I give blood. I get done. And then a Thursday, I come back. I get another $20 given blood. That was my life for, I would say, almost a year or so. It was really, really hard, but that's what I had to do. And I was I was also borderline, just like a vet. You know, people hear the stories, you know, the veterans comes back and and you're challenged with this borderline of, com- of committing a, a crime. And there's a lot of vets out there that has uh, went across and crossed that line. And and it was due to just lack of resources and situations. You know, and I never thought I would find my, myself in a place like that, you know, but I did, you know, and it was a really interesting lens of the the see through that particular kind of lens of where my life was at and what I was doing. And I was also ashamed and not to let people know as well, especially folks who knew me from the design world and everything like that, you know? And so I just basically almost created a whole identity for myself and just become really, really a much more unknown person for a very long time. And to focus on myself, I let go of everything, friends, everybody, New York, everything. And then sooner, you know, later, as I moved forward, I started developing new friends and who accept me for who I was at that place. There was no design, nothing involved. There was it was just like your average Joe Blow, blue collar worker, wilderness type of guy, fishing guy. You know, and they became my friends and really our friendship developed in the outdoors on the river because I had all the time to fish. They put a rod in my hand and showed me how to fish, showed me how to read water. It was almost I tend to use that this experience almost kind of like, you know, the Yoda type of situation, you know, because there was this one individual who just was an extreme outdoorsman. And basically they just dumped you know, a lot of knowledge from conservation, from our environment into me. And I had the time to learn. I learned how to fish. I learned how to fly fish. It became kind of like my my medicine to build me. And when I got, you know, to a point, I went back to the VA hospital as I'm making my trip. So I told my doc and my doc said, you know what, you know, we're going to support you doing fishing. Fish more as long as you, you know, continue with your group therapies and stuff. And I did that, you know, and I started winging myself off of meds and and fly fishing became my deal. And at the same time, in that same arena, I started pushing some paperwork to try to get my uh, benefits uh, from my condition that happened to me. And sooner or later, over the course of time, got awarded a really big back pay of check from uh, the military that came in. And 
And then all of a sudden, you know, I put that together. And as I was developing my skill set in fly fishing, I started getting really, really good. A couple companies started seeing me and acknowledging the work that I was doing as an angler. And I got to a point where I was standing on the water here in the Northwest, you know, waist deep, you know, going after steelhead. And I felt good of myself. And I was like, I'm ready to kick some ass. I'm ready to get back into society. And this was five years later. But I said to myself, this time I want to combine my passion of art and design with my passion of being an outdoorsman and a fly fishing angler. I want to bring these two worlds together because this is what has built me back up and gave me strength to walk a stronger walk. And But for me to do this, for me to stay true to what I've been taught and what the Rivers has taught me, and that's really building community. And that's really reaching out and making that connection and, and maintaining that connection with nature. And so I'm going to use my creativity and my design skills to develop a brand that acts as a bridge to the outdoors and to connect with inner city kids and also combat vets. Why? Because I was once that inner city kid that comes from a broken home that had a big brother, big sister from the Boys and Girls Club. But this time I'm going to replace that Boys and Girls Club with combat vets. Combat vets has a natural default of leadership. They have a natural default to basically protect and follow and lead and share, etc. And there's a lot of men and women out there that are looking to basically connect with youth as well. And youth does give that opportunity to build a sense of purpose for us, you know, and that's what I wanted to create is that kind of environment. And that's how my nonprofit was developed, which was Soul River Runs Deep and that runs deep within all of us and where we can be able to find whatever that is that's fighting with us, our demons or whatever that we're, we're struggling with. We can always go to that river and that river has a way of, of, of connecting with us and rebuilding us up in a different way to, for us to be able to push forward in life. Wow. I was about to just ask you, like, where do you pull that strength from? I mean, to have went through what you went through, as you mentioned, the PTSD and losing everything and building it back up. Like, what kept you motivated and inspired throughout all that? I think it's just the idea that I believe and it goes with anybody else. You have to believe in what you are doing and what you're setting out to do. And it really starts within yourself. And I believe of what what my purpose was. I believe what I am supposed to do. That really, I guess that that's really, you know, what kept me going and walking and learning how to walk in faith. You know, I mean, everybody's different, you know, what they believe or non-believe, you know, I'm not the person that's going to get on the, the pew here and preach and everything like that, but I'll just keep it simple, walking in my faith. I had to learn how to walk in my faith because I didn't have anybody to fall upon. I've already closed that door and I needed to move forward. And the only thing that, that was true to me that spoke to me was the design. The only thing that spoke to me was being creative. I knew that there's a purpose for what I needed to be doing and I needed to learn how to be patient with myself. Regardless of what my situation is and how hard it is, but I needed to be patient to where I was at and needed to basically discipline myself to know that I'm going to see this through. 
and I need to see it through. And that was the most important thing. And so I had to see it through. And that's what led me. And I was able to punch through that. You know, there was also a piece that did jump over that gave me strength. And for me to do is a harsh situation. But during that whole time that I was struggling and fighting, I attempted to take my life. I was found on the river. And it's an ironic thing because now I do everything by the river. And I was found on the river, strung out on heavy medication and about to take my life. And the cops pulled me off. They took me to the VA hospital. I spent six days in the psych ward, stripped down, basically. And and that was and I through that process, I had to, you know, dig deep again and learn how to walk faith. It was a weird place I was at. But when I looked at where I was at. And coming out and getting a second opportunity of life, a second opportunity to live, that is when I knew that it wasn't about me. And it's never been about me. And at one time, it was about me because this is what I wanted to do between point A to point Z. That was about me. And during that time, coming out of the situation, after when I attempted to take my life, I realized that is, this is not about me. This is much more greater and bigger than me. And I needed to see this through. I knew there was a purpose for what I need to be doing. And now today, and what I'm doing is I am bringing creativity into an environmental type of situation and changing lives and transition veterans to having that purpose just as much as I had that purpose to push forward in life. Coming back from something like that, what lessons do you think you can give to, I don't want to necessarily say from people that want to follow in your footsteps, especially now what you just described, but for, for people that want to come up and be where you are and do the things that you're doing, what do you say to them? There's a thin line to design in whatever you're pursuing in life. There will always be a thin line to, to design. And that line is a very thin line to where you're going to have to figure out how to walk that line in the right way. Be prepared that you may have to turn a couple corners here and there. And when you're turning those corners, it does not mean that it's the end route. It just means that you're either going to be challenged or you're going to be put in a place to make a decision, whether it's uh, the right one or the wrong one, but you're going to have to make the best decision that you have to make. And be prepared to fight. I think with my situation, when I look back, I'm not the, the wise of wise, but, you know, I think life is, it is about fighting. It is about digging deep, digging real deep to what you believe and what you stand for and fighting for it. And you have to learn how to fight for it. Some of us out there stop and find a comfort to where we are at. And then there's some of us that really, really takes the charge and fight. And whatever that is, you know, it's not good or bad, but just be prepared. Be prepared to fight for what you believe. Things are not given to you on a platter that we all know. Maybe that 1% that happens. But you have to be prepared to fight for what you believe in, especially if you decide to step out 
and approach entrepreneurship as a creative person, especially a person of color, to do it in the right way, to walk to walk and to not uh, fall into a path of crime or whatever, but to be honest with your walk and be true with your walk. You're going to have to fight really hard to obtain what you want and you can attain it and you can get it and you can seize that piece of life that you want. You're just going to have to fight really, really hard to get there. And, and it's rewarding and it's an opportunity when you get there, but it's a fight. And I'm not for sure if that's inspirational enough for anybody out there, you know, but, you know, that's what has that's what I've learned, you know, and that's my path. And that's what I know. And that's how I apply myself every day that has shaped me and morphed me into the person that I am, even when I'm dealing with challenges today, is I still know that I'm going to have to fight for this. You know, I still know that I'm going to have to step out on my faith and and continue to walk hard and do things much more in an unconventional way, because the normal of the norm of how you do things for me, even today, is still hard for me to do. But I have to be flexible. I have to be open minded and I have to maintain that charge of a fight to keep going and to keep obtaining and, and achieving and doing what I needed to do with everything that I do. Everything I do, I don't take light of. I'm very much on the edge of the seat, always fighting, always thinking out of the box, always pushing the envelope. You know, anything is possible. You have to just be able to see it through and fight for it. Are you where you wanted to be at this stage, like in your career, in your life? Are, are you where you wanted to be? Like when you look back as, I don't know, a, a teenager or even earlier in your career, do you feel like you've gotten to where you want to be? I think I, I am where I want to be to a certain degree. I think there's there's more work for me to be to be done in the coming future for myself. But it's hard for me to really answer a question like that. Because where I started out as a young person and going to school and everything, I had this idea of where I wanted to become as a creative person. And through that process, I have also learned how to let go. That is what the things that's happened to me and let life shape me to who, to who I am today. So my walk is not a walk that I'm charting out to do and saying, this is my goal. Now my walk is a walk where I am being guided by the lives that I'm changing through this process and the lives that I'm changing through this process and in nature, you know, as a creative person and also as an, a, an expeditionary person who runs a nonprofit, my walk is my work that's turning into something other than just me and the end factor are our in piece of what I'm achieving is probably the more lives that I change, the more uh, comfort and blessings to know that I'm doing the right thing and I'm satisfied to where I'm at. Where do you kind of see yourself in the next, let's say five years or so with what you're doing with your nonprofit, with your, your studio, where do you want to be in the future? 
I'm going to be finding myself, which is only starting actually this year to do it and getting investors. I see myself actually breaking ground and building an outdoor educational lodge. And this lodge is going to be a place for people to take recreation from all over that will be housed in hotel, basically, of a you know large lodge that will be balanced with an educational piece that will be available for inner city kids and combat vets that will be running this lodge. And the kids will not have a tuition cost. The lodge itself will be charging folks who will be coming in, and that money will basically take care of the tuition. It will be zero cost for any inner city kid that will be coming through. And what their requirement would be, basically, it was will be giving a community of one year of service, which will be their tuition to enter this lodge. And when they enter this lodge, they will learn everything from house hotel management, everything from like outdoor different uh, deals of like flight fishing, reading river navigation. And then also I plan to implement design classes within this lodge from an outdoor perspective of getting the opportunity for inner city kids to explore the creativity of developing backpacks and developing new gear that could be approached in the outdoors and giving them the opportunity to express themselves as a young creative designer as well, except this will be more focused towards the outdoor industry. And current also this lodge will be able to create these bridges with outdoor companies that will give these youth and these teenagers the opportunity to take on internships where you'll find you know, people of color in North Face, people of color in Columbia Sportswear, people of color in Mountain Hardware, you know, uh, you know, developing these back end products that helps the from an ingenuity standpoint of, of approach in the outdoors to make your, you know, people's experience much more pleasurable, even down to products, you know, from fabrics and jackets and how they work and adapt in the environment. So this lodge will be kind of like an incubator of creative thought uh, for our inner city youth to approach and learn from an outdoor perspective uh, that there is a business in the outdoors, not just being a guide, but there's a business of being a creative as well and, and, and how you can be able to connect with other companies as well. And then the front of this lodge will be where, the, you know, youth and, and vets, they will be also be the caretakers of this lodge and will welcome guests, basically, who are coming, you know, to join themselves. They'll pay a premium cost and that premium cost will be the cost basically transferred over that will support the lodge to keep it sustainable and keep the running of the classes, et cetera. Sounds like you've got that all figured out. I mean, I, I certainly hope that, you know, in the near future that you end up pulling that off. I mean, I think with what you're doing with, <laughs> no, I mean, what you're doing with helping out with kids and with teaching about design and with outdoors, I feel like there's so many brands that would kind of latch onto that, like a Patagonia or REI or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure. <laughs> well, just to kind of, you know, wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work and everything that you're doing online? Yeah, so you can follow me and find out about my work a lot because I do a lot of updating, which is my nonprofit site, which is soulriverinc.org. And there are links to my shop. 
which is soulriverrunsdeep.com. You can go there or you'll find links also on the nonprofit site. The shop basically supports the nonprofit. Every sales that I do, 15% goes into my nonprofit that supports other than the partnerships that is created. You'll see a lot of my work. I'm on Facebook, easily to connect with me. Just my first name. And there's a presence of the, you know, Soul River Inc., my nonprofit site as well on Facebook as well. And I also have a personal site that I tend to dump a lot of my creative work outside of Soul River Inc. and SoulRiverRunsDeep.com, which is ChattelCreative.com as well. So I tend to float back and forth, but really a lot of my work that translates into what I'm doing today is, uh, is through my nonprofit. Chad Brown, man, you have lived lives upon lives. I mean, just just not even just with the creative work that you're doing, which now that I think about it, we didn't even really talk that much about it but for you telling your <laughs> no seriously we didn't talk really about like your agency work and things but you talking about just your personal journey and the time that you started in the military how that's affected you and how you've kind of pulled yourself back and built yourself up from that i feel like is such an inspiring story to people in general not just for designers and certainly because this interview is airing you know this month in january it comes at a time when people are trying to make resolutions to do better for the year, to do better for themselves. And I feel like your story is so inspiring for people just to do more in life, to, you know, not just take the circumstances that were, were dealt to you, but to take those and try to make something good come out of that. So, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, you're very welcome. And thank you for the opportunity to once again, share what I'm doing and, and especially share towards a whole different demographic of following that you have, which is folks of color and creative professionals, et cetera. And I hope that there's uh, some inspiration that will help anybody out there who's listening. But thank you. I really appreciate it. Thoughts of love are and that's it for this week. Big thanks to Chad Brown and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Chad and his work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks as always to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, and Hover. Facebook invests in design. They care deeply about how their design team might do their best work, and that manifests itself in a number of different ways, such as showing how internal design critiques work, sharing resources about VR and other cutting-edge tech, and by giving away great tools and resources like their design prototyping tool, Origami Studio, that came out last year, popular device templates for Photoshop and for Sketch, and even diverse hands for mock-ups. Learn more about Facebook design at facebook.com forward slash design. More than 14 million businesses around the world use MailChimp to grow their businesses, recapture sales, and make money in their sleep. And who doesn't want that? Sign up for a free account today. MailChimp. Send better email. Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing your domains. With free private domain registration and your choice of domains across all the 400 plus domain extensions out there, how can you turn that down? Save 10% off your first purchase by using our promo code REVISIONPATH at checkout. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you liked this episode, please do me a huge favor. Subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a minute or two. It 
really helps the show by bumping us up in the iTunes rankings for Design Podcast, and I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Visit us today at yepitslunch.com for all your design, strategy, and creative consulting needs. And if you like the work that we're doing here with Revision Path, then please consider becoming a patron. You know, I've said this before, but now more than ever, Revision Path really needs your support to make sure that stories about black designers and creatives in our field are told in their own words. So if you support us, just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge today. Pledge levels are super affordable. They start at just $1 a month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.